Hey guys, I'm lead pastor Noel Peepgrass, and I just wanted to welcome you to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a church family to be a part of, or feel called to join a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in our historic building at 218 West Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. Maybe you remember last week that we told you uh, that Danny Bartlett would be here this morning to uh, teach on the parable of the sower. Uh, Danny is a friend. He's a youth uh, director at Radiant Church in Visalia. Um, and uh, Danny texted me at midnight last night saying that uh, he, he had, was too sick and couldn't come. He was hoping he could power through it, in his words. But he realized at midnight, I guess, he was too sick. I saw that message at 2 a.m., um, and uh, I guess that's when I was done sleeping for the night. <laughs> but as I, I told Danny, uh, you know, hey, I listened to your sermon three times, so I, I think I'm good. I'm just going to preach your sermon if that's okay. Um, no, but I, you know, so I, I, I was just praying like, oh, well, gosh, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? You know, it's like, as a PE teacher, it's like, it, it felt like a rainy day, you know, like that rain comes on. And it's, it's California, so PE teachers are never prepared for rain. The schools aren't built for rain, you know. So what do you do when you're a PE teacher and, and it rains? You play dodgeball, right? That's, that's what you do. That's, that's what every good PE teacher does when it rains. You go in the gym and you play dodgeball. So uh, anyways, uh, hence the Thanksgiving sharing this morning. Um, but that was actually a really good excuse that uh, we were able to spend more time sharing uh, thankfulness uh, my message is going to be shorter this morning. Um, please hold your ovation uh, till the end. <laughs> um, but I actually, I did in prayer, you know, I, I, I was wondering what to do, and I felt like the Lord said, uh, preach the preach. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, teach on the parable of the sower. Um, a, as you know, we, uh, we're all mixed up in chapter 13 because I had some friends come to help uh, teach, and it's been really great for me. Uh, to uh, have uh, a bit of a break. Uh, three out of the last four weeks, I didn't have to prepare to preach. Although it's, it's been really weird what the Lord has done with that because you remember last week or two weeks ago, I prepared all week to uh, preach a sermon that I didn't end up preaching, right? You remember that? I made a mistake. I, I prepared to preach a sermon that I had assigned to David to preach. And then this week I didn't prepare and I, here I am preaching. So I don't know what the Lord is trying to tell me, but I know that his spirit guides us, right? Uh, and uh, I know that his word is good, and, and it's actually always exciting to open up his word and to be able to teach it to you. I, I, feel, uh, I feel very privileged, uh, almost like uh, this sense that you should be jealous of me to get to open the word, because when you have to teach something, you dig into it in a way that's really uh, just profound. And uh, so I'm thankful to receive... Uh, even as I teach this morning, um, this passage is, is uh, the parable of the sower is how we often uh, refer to it. But I think it's really, it's really a parable about soil, about four different types of soil. And uh, the soil in the passage is uh, our hearts. So maybe the, the parable could be called the parable of the soil or the parable of the hearts, the four hearts. 
Jesus starts this parable by saying that a farmer went out to sow his seed. Jesus uh, was speaking right to his culture, often used agrarian uh, like pictures, analogies, parables. He, uh, he, uh, he would have done well in the Central Valley to use these farmer analogies. So he goes right in with this. And I, the, the first thing that really struck me about this passage was verse 9. Verse 9 says, whoever has ears, let them hear. You know, there's like some real power behind that statement. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It reminded me of this passage in 1 Kings 19. It's the story of Elijah. Elijah uh, has, he's, Elijah's a prophet, Old Testament prophet. He's been telling the people of God that they've got to turn from their wicked ways, that they've got to turn back to God. And the people have not been listening to him. They've not been listening to him at all. In fact, they're so upset at him that they want to kill him. He's been preaching. They've been rejecting. They want to kill him. So he goes and he hides in a cave. And, and as he's hiding in that cave, he hears the voice of the Lord. And the Lord says, go and stand on the mountain. He's, he's hiding in a cave on a mountain. And the, the voice of the Lord says, go and stand on the mountain. The Lord is preparing him. If you want to hear what I have to say, go stand. Go out and stand on the mountain. And then in the story, we hear that there's this big wind that comes tearing through the mountains. But it says that the Lord passed by. And then this big earthquake comes and shakes the mountains. But again, it says that the Lord passed by. And finally, it says that a fire came. A fire came, and yet still the Lord was not in the fire. But Elijah responds to these signs. And he steps out of the cave. It says that he puts his cloak over his head, right, knowing that he's about to be in the presence of God. And this is what you do when you have a right fear of the Lord. You, you shield yourself because God in his radiance is brilliant enough to kill a man. And so he, he hides himself in his cloak, but he does. He responds to the Lord. He steps out of the cave. And it's then that we hear that the Lord speaks, and this is a pretty famous passage. Uh, it says that the Lord speaks in a still, small voice. The winds raged, the earthquakes came, the fire came, and yet it's the still, small voice of the Lord that Elijah uh, heard. The Lord passed by through all these other elements, and it was only after the fire that the Lord speaks. See, we, we love the wind of God. We often, I think, pray for God to show up in these really, really, really impactful ways. We love the fire. We love the way that God moves when he shakes the earth. We, we love the image of this all-powerful God coming in a very profound way. But, you know, it's, it's often the still, small voice of God that we really need to hear. And it takes a response on our part. See, Elijah stepped out onto the mountain. And, and as he responded, he heard the voice of God there's another story uh, about Moses, another Old Testament story, Moses in Exodus 3. Uh, you know this as the burning bush story. See, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is out there shepherding. That's what he's doing at that point in his life. And Moses, uh, he sees uh, the, the burning bush next to him. He sees the burning bush, but the Lord doesn't speak to him until Moses comes to the burning bush. It says in that passage that Moses turned towards the bush. He turned his face from what he was doing and towards the burning bush. And this is when he heard the Lord, when he responded to the burning bush. See, my, my, my fear 
is that for some of us this morning, my fear is that for me, even this morning, that my fear is that I see the burning bush, but maybe don't turn to hear from God. Don't turn to listen to the still, small voice. We're, we're so busy. We're so caught up with distractions, the world, the things that are going on around us, that sometimes even though we see, we don't really see. And even sometimes when we hear, we don't really hear. This is the condition that Jesus is speaking to when he tells this parable. And I believe that, that this is what Jesus is saying when he says, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And we all know that there's a way that you can see something without really seeing something. There's a way that you can hear something without really hearing something. We need to really see. We need to really hear. So, so Jesus, he speaks in these parables, right? And these parables, they seem to be a little bit indirect at times. At times, they seem like not the greatest way. They seem to leave sometimes more questions than answers. But this is Jesus' preferred method for teaching. At least it is in chapter 13 here as we see this Jesus sermon on parables. And so his disciples, they ask him, why? Why, Jesus? Why do you speak in parables? Why is it that you teach us with these stories? I love this simple fact about this passage. Don't miss this simple fact. Look, the difference between the disciples, the crowds, and the Pharisees is that the disciples of Jesus lean in. The disciples of Jesus lean in to these stories. They've seen Jesus, the sign of Jonah, the burning bush, so to speak. And they got to get a little bit closer. They're turned towards Jesus. And so they come to him and they say, so simply, like it, faith is as simple as that. Jesus, what do you mean when you tell these stories? It's so simple. It's like very almost childlike. It's admitting that you don't know. How many, how many of you know that you, you've really come to a point of wisdom, not when you know everything, but when you know what you don't know? And here the disciples, all they did is like, Jesus, what do you mean by these parables? They're leaning in to Jesus. There's a lot for us to learn in this passage about how the disciples uh, lean in here. And, and, and this is why he can say to them in verse 16 and 17, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So here it is. Jesus explains to his disciples who've turned towards him, who've leaned in closer, and he's ready to teach. He's ready to give the meaning of his parable of the four, four soils. And so that's really what this parable is about, isn't it? It's about these four different soils, three of the soils not really responsive, not really good at receiving the seed. But one of the soils is good. And so let's take a look at these uh, different soils. But first of all, we have to understand that these soils are all conditions of the heart. The soil equals heart condition. Each soil equal, equals a different condition of the heart. They're ways of being. They're ways of posturing the heart. And remember, you know, heart conditions, you guys, heart conditions are shaped by the way that we've been living, by the way we've chosen to live. We create our heart condition by the way that we've chosen to live. I was thinking a lot as I, um, as I like, prepared this message about uh, what I did with my uh, lawn when I planted the seed, 
in my lawn. If you guys have been out to our house, we have a ton of grass, and we planted it all from seed. No sod around these parts. We planted it all from seed. And I can tell you that the, the better I did at preparing the soil, the better the seed came forward. The first, uh, the first soil type is the path. The path. It says in verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. See, the path, what is a path? Think about the path. If you've, ha- if you've ever been around you know, a dirt field, a path is what gets worn in a dirt field from traffic, right? You walk across dirt over and over and over again, and you're going to have a path. In fact, in my lawn, my dogs, they have, you know how dogs are like this? They take the same path over and over and over again. There's actually like a trail in my lawn. That's the path that my dogs take back and forth along the lawn. The path is the spot that's marked by our busyness, by our traffic. It's not soft enough for the seed to catch and to germinate, right? Seed needs that soft soil to dig into, to germinate in. The path makes a very vulnerable um, seed. The seed is vulnerable for targets. In this case, Jesus tells the story of the, the birds coming and snatching the seed from the path. And then he explains that the, the birds are the evil one. Who's the evil one? Satan. So seed that falls upon These hard spots, this hard soil is snatched up by Satan himself. I think the path represents a a hard, calloused heart. A hard, calloused heart worn in by days and weeks and months and years of heavy traffic and busyness. Distraction from the soil work needed for the seed to take root. The seed on this soil is stolen away by the enemy. So sad. The seed's been cast. The seed's been sown, but it's snatched away by the evil one because the soil is not soft enough to receive it. The second type of soil is the rocky, shallow soil. See, it says in verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. it's not so much the rocky condition of this soil, it's the shallow condition of this soil that causes the problems. Shallow soil does not allow room for the root to develop. When I uh, plowed my my front lawn, I don't know if that's the right word, but I used my neighbor's tractor and had this tiller on the back of it, and it dug down and broke up the ground to make it loose, right? You got to loosen up the soil in order to get that root really deep, don't you? Shallow soil does not allow room for the root to develop. It's, it's kind of like an example of what I like to call Coors Light Christianity. Can we say that? It's like it's easy to drink. It goes down easy, but it's not the best stuff, right? We all know that it's just it's not the best stuff, you know? It's like the kingdom of heaven is like a craft brewery, you guys. It's fermenting deep, hoppy ales, rich in flavor, right, and, and potent. Okay, so maybe this is a bad analogy. I... I trying to get your attention this morning. Yeah, but, but we don't want a shallow, like, easy-to-drink uh, gospel. We want a deep-rooted gospel. We want our roots to be able to grow down really, really, really deep. We want to be a people hungry for the deep things of God, not content with a, a surfacy, shallow faith. We don't want to be rooted in a feel-good faith. 
We, d- we don't want like just a cute version of like a, a coffee verse, a coffee mug verse, Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Something that makes you feel better when you wake up in the morning. There's more depth in the gospel than that. In fact, uh, the gospel, it's not, a, it's not a nice little addition to your life. The gospel is not just a nice little addition to your life. That's super surfacy. If your roots aren't deep, they'll be squelched out. The gospel is not just like a new paint job on a dilapidated building. That's what we did to this building, but that's not what the, that's not what the gospel is really all about. The gospel is a firm foundation with deep roots, a firm foundation with deep roots. When the, when the storms of life come, the house stands firm when it's got a, a firm foundation, when it's built upon the rock. When the sun scorches down, nourishment from deep roots sustains our heart, sustains our lives. And we're going to sing a song in just a few minutes. It, 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 the song says, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the morning comes. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you have deep roots, you'll sustain the storms of life. You'll sustain the scorching sun. But if your roots are in shallow soil, they will not be strong enough to withstand, to withstand the storms, to withstand the sun. The, uh, the third soil type is thorny soil, weed-infested soil. I think about this all the time as I'm spraying weeds on my property. And I know that, it, you know, prevention, what is that phrase? A pound of prevention is worth, or an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Is that right? That's how you say it? Shake your heads with me. Okay, let's go. So I think I got that right. An, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? If you can just keep the weeds from really becoming a problem, that's like half the battle. Once the weeds get bad, now you're in trouble, right? Now it's a lot harder. So, so this thorny soil, it reminds me a lot of the principle of weeding. It says in verse 22, Jesus says that the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Notice that. What is it that, that choked the word? The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Those are specifically the things that Jesus mentions, choke out the word. Did you know that the, the most prominent command that Jesus gives in the New Testament is do not worry, do not be afraid. Our worry reveals our worship. Our fears reveal our faith. What are we putting our faith in? And so the, the weeds and the thorns, this analogy is, it's a condition of, a heart, of, the, of our heart that puts other things in front of God. It's me. Anytime I make good things, like sports or food or relationships, and make them into God things. Anytime that I put something else in front of God, I'm, I'm tilling a heart condition that makes room for thorny soil. The thorny soil is a type of soil that accepts Jesus alongside other things. And any, any good gardener knows that if you want to have a healthy crop, a nice lawn, whatever it is, you have to pluck out the weeds. Because the weeds will take over the good things, won't they? Right? The best way to have a nice lawn, I've learned, is to have a healthy lawn. Get rid of the weeds, get rid of the bad stuff, your lawn will flourish. And this is how it is with our hearts. The thorny soil is like, it, it's that soil that's not been, uh, it's not been given pre-emergent. 
right? You put down the pre-emergent certain times of year. I've been told it's like, uh, I think it's Labor Day, Super Bowl Sunday, and Mother's Day. That's what I was told, okay? You put down that pre-emergent. It prevents the weeds from growing up. This is how we have to treat our hearts if we want the seed to produce fruit. And not just one time. This is not a one-time thing, is it? I've, all, I've been so amazed at how diligent you have to be to have a nice lawn. You know, it's like I want the golf course lawn, right? But I don't have golf course time or money to put into my lawn, right? You've got to be diligent if you, want your, if you want your seed to produce really good fruit. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes going over and over and over again. Have you ever, have you ever uh, dealt with some tricky weeds? And you're like, I thought I got the root on that one. It springs right, and it's always like two days later, you're like, how did it get that big in two days? You've got to be diligent when, when uh, tilling this soil. The thorny soil uh, is really problematic. You've got to stay on top of it. I think this is the type of soil that happens when we make Jesus our Savior, but we don't give him full lordship. You know what I mean? Like, I think we all want the fire insurance Jesus for sure. Some of us maybe got saved on the get me out of hell Jesus, Right? But Jesus as Savior without Jesus as Lord is thorny soil. When we say, I want you, Jesus, I want your salvation, I want eternity with you, I want your blessings, but there's a few things I have to hold on to. There's a, maybe my reputation, or, or maybe it's the nice house, or maybe it's a nice car, a comfortable life, a nice body, a carefully crafted public image. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your other vices are. I don't know what the other things are that you, you're tempted to hold on to. This is the Jesus and camp. I want Jesus and my comfortable lifestyle. I want Jesus and my food and drink. I want Jesus and my reputation. It's so tempting to think that we can have Jesus and. But it's like seed amongst the thorns, isn't it? This isn't what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus says. You want to hear a couple quotes? Jesus said that he that wants to gain his life must lose it. The Apostle Paul says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is the upside-down way of Jesus' kingdom, isn't it? We don't get Jesus and. That's the thorny soil. So there's one other soil type here in this story. Notice Three of the soil types are bad soil types. This should remind us as a way of warning that the, the gate that leads to life is narrow and few are those who travel upon it. One of four is good soil. We should receive that as warning. And I think this morning, I would just encourage you, as I, as I even encourage myself, my own heart, to consider that, that maybe this, the condition of the soil in my heart is not as great as I would like to think that it is, right? Maybe it's not quite as great. There's warning in this passage. Three of the four soil types are bad soil types. But the good soil, you guys, verse 23, it says that the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The heart that receives the kingdom of God with softness, well-tilled, dirt, deep roots allowed to grow. This is the one that produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times 
what was sown. I love the way that God multiplies seeds in his kingdom. In, in the weeks to come, we're going to hear the story of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000, how he took a, a boy's lunch and he multiplied it into uh, a meal for thousands. It's an incredible story. This is the way of the kingdom of God. He takes small seeds like a mustard seed and he multiplies them. When your heart is full of good soil, that seed will multiply. It says here 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the question is simple for us this morning. How do we become this good soil? How do we become the good soil? We follow the model of the disciples, I think. It's simple. We ask the question, Jesus, what do you mean? We lean in. We turn our heads toward Jesus. He's our burning bush. He's the sign of Jonah, right? We learned that just a few weeks back. Like the sign is in front of us. He's here. Jesus is God's sign. He's the answer our hearts have been waiting for. He's what our hearts truly need. So check this out. Matthew 13, uh, verse 15. It's a quotation of Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. It says this, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes, and they have closed their eyes. I'm sorry, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Here's the trick. Understanding hearts, turn. This is how you become good soil. You turn your heart to see the bush. You turn your eyes to the true sign, God's sign, the sign of Jonah, the sign that's been in front of us, Jesus. The invitation in the parable of the sower, you guys, it's an invitation to turn and receive healing. Who wants healing? Can I get a show of hands? You know, who wants healing? We've all got ailments, ailments of the heart, ailments of the mind, ailments of our family, ailments of the bank account. We've all got ailments. Who wants healing? Everybody wants healing. In order to get healing, you've got to turn. John the Baptist said it this way, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent to turn. Facing one direction and turn and go the other direction. This is the message of Jesus. Turn. Repent. Martin Luther said it this way. I've, I've quoted Luther before. Forgive me, this is a great quote. He says, the whole life of the believer is repentance. The whole life of the believer is repentance. The life of faith in Jesus is not a life where you follow Jesus, figure it all out, and then live perfectly. The whole life of Jesus is to be repentant. What was David? King David was known as a man after God's own heart. Go to Psalm 51. Listen to the heart of repentance in King David. The whole life of the believer is repentance. Folks, what's the condition of your heart this morning? Is your heart hard like the path, worn from busyness and traffic, unable to receive and nurture the word of God? Is it vulnerable to the enemy's theft? Is your heart surfacy, like the rocky soil, soft at the top? but super shallow, not deep enough for the gospel to actually take root, and thereby vulnerable to the scorching sun and the storms that could come? Is your heart full of weeds and thorns, full of mixed affections, 
in love with Jesus, but unwilling to let go of your vices, whatever they may be, threatened to be choked out by stronger affections. The invitation this morning in this parable is to turn, to turn like Moses toward the bush, to step out of the cave like Elijah and listen for the still, small voice of the Lord, to lean in like the disciples leaned in to Jesus and say, what do you mean? Yeah, that's the invitation this morning, to have ears that really hear, to have eyes that really see. Look, this morning uh, afterwards, if, if you're like, I want my heart to turn, my heart needs to turn, maybe you've received Jesus before, maybe you've never received Jesus, but if you want to come forward and just have prayer, I'd love to pray with you this morning. If, if you want some help <laughs> getting this soil softened up, so that the, the roots can go down deep. Come forward as we sing. Uh, you can also respond this morning by receiving the Lord's Supper. Uh, but I just want to warn you, before you come receive the Lord's Supper this morning, like check your heart. Check your heart. Turn your affections to Jesus. Do it again this morning. The whole life of the believer is repentance. You cannot repent too many times. Every day we wake up with faith in God and we put our faith in, and not our works, we put our faith in what Jesus did for us. We repent daily over and over again. So come receive the Lord's good correction as you receive his body and his blood. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I, th I thank you that you, um, you came to uh, do the work that we couldn't do. I feel uh, unable to uh, get the condition of my heart to an adequate state without you, Lord. And I, I just, uh, I, I find myself needing to turn often, embarrassingly so, Lord. And I thank you, though, God, for your kindness that leads us to repentance, Jesus. I thank you that it's not in your wrath that you bring us to repentance, but it's in your kindness. And so, Lord, this morning, I, I just, I pray that you would extend an, an invitation for each one of us to turn towards you, our burning bush, Lord. And, and I pray that we would listen in really close, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see, and we would receive that still, small voice. Amen.